listening to the Bug Huckers podcast, produced by the Banyan Collective. Listen to more mind blowing podcasts at thebanyancollective.com and on iTunes. Podcasts like the Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show, Adventure for Your Ears, and Mr. Goodyear's Neighborhood, a podcast about a mountain town run by mountain people. We now return you to the best fly fishing podcast in all the land, Bug Huckers. The only way to get better at catching a fish is to go out and huck yourself. Welcome to episode, I mean, for us, it's episode two, but I think technically it's 12, if I remember, episode 12 of Bug Huckers, your favorite fly fishing podcast. And if it's not your favorite, then um, you suck and we don't care. Eh. Should be your favorite. It's going to be your favorite. It's going to be your favorite. I am Cole Larson, and I'm joined here tonight with the greatest co-host in the land and the inventor of Jim Young's 3-in-1 nymph-scented fly spray. It's a floatant, it's an attractant, and it restores your fly's original luster. Make your flies, make your old flies feel young with Jim Young's nymph-scented fly spray. How you doing, James? Man, I'm doing great. You are red. I am red. I tell you what, that <laughs> is funny as product. crap. Now, I tell you what, that nymph, uh, that nymph <laughs> spray has been used everywhere from Bear Lake down to the Provo. I hear that it catches Bear Lake on fire. Man, if you don't have it, Bear Lake will not be on fire. You guys sell that <laughs> here at the shop, right? Oh, by the way, we're at Angler's Den tonight. Yeah, we do it. We used to carry it. We had a run on it here about two years ago for a group going out to Bear Lake. And um, they broadcasted all over Facebook on some different Facebook pages and actually got some phone calls asking for it. But, you know, the initial samples went out. The decision was made not to actually you know, produce it and, and let it let the general population have it. It's only for a select few guys. Exclusive. It's an exclusive product that only three people use, and the fourth one don't know it's on his fly yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> and he still can't catch fish. <laughs> well, if you can't catch it with that uh, that nymph scented fly spray, which by the way I hear comes in now betas, caddis. And is there is there some uh, some big salmon fly flavor? Yeah, we'll have, we do have a salmon fly. We're working on a good stone fly. Uh, we're trying to refine it down into a golden stone. And if we can get the chemistry right, we'll probably try to get a yellow Sally scent. Ooh, I so, can't wait. Yeah, keep us in the loop. Yeah, it, there, it's buddy. something to look forward to in the near future. Uh, that's as the future could be next week, next month, or maybe next generation. We don't know yet, but it will be coming out eventually. Fly spray 2.0. Fly spray 2.0. 2.0. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I'm glad that you're here. And we're also joined here tonight with uh, our good friend, Paul Burnett. Paul, how you doing tonight? Doing great. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Man, we're so glad to we're, have you. Man, we're, we're so happy that you agreed to come and do this. You, yeah, you had to twist my hope, arm. We hope you don't regret it. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't like you asked to be here or anything, but you know, we're we're glad you accepted the invite. Yeah, no, I'm 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 really really excited to be here, and, and glad you guys are are doing the podcast. Yeah, man, it's gonna be a good time. Oh yeah, what are we drinking tonight, gentlemen? Beer. We know what we're drinking, but they need to know. Uh, tonight's beer of choice is New Belgium Fat Tire Amber Ale. Cheers, Cheers boys. everybody. And of course, that arm from the side there is our producer, R. Brandon Long. Thank you so much, as always. Yeah, this guy's a magician on the producer board. Makes us sound good. Which is hard to do. I mean, we do have faces <laughs> for radio, you know, so. Yeah. But he does. He, he's done a great job so far, and it's been great working with him. 
you know, about New Belgium, I've got a f- kind of a funny story about this particular beverage. Uh, there is a I'm trying to remember which restaurant it is. It's it's in Ogden. Anyways, I can't remember exactly which one, but they had their beer list there. When you go in, you sit down, you go, okay, they got a little plastic thing, you know, sitting on the table. It has all their beers listed. Well, they had this listed under imports. I think I might have sent you a <laughs> I was picture with you. of that. No, I was with ago. you. Oh, you where, were? Where, where okay. was that? I don't oh, know. I... But yeah, they had this listed as a new as an import from Belgium. It's, act, it's I think it's like what Fort Collins, Colorado. Yeah, or is it Boulder? Hey, it's Colorado. Fort it's it's Fort virtually Collins. another country over there. I mean, we're the weird country here. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> either way, yeah, it's a good drink. So. We're not sponsored by New Belgium yet. Yet. We welcome sponsorships. Uh, As long as you provide beer, we'll make it cold. Um, It's always good. Or at least the money to buy beer. We kind of discussed that, right? Right. There's there's some criteria, but we are in Utah. Yeah, we're, hey, we'll take money for anything. I mean, we're not. we're not cheap. <laughs> we. <laughs> we're easy, but we're not cheap. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome to the show. We're glad you're here. Uh, a couple of little quick announcements real quick to get out of the way. Uh, last time we talked about the International Fly Fishing Film Tour, IF4. Well, there's another show in town called the Fly Fishing Film Tour, F3T. Not to be confused with that one. They are different shows. Kind of similar. It's a good time. Uh, they've got a couple shows coming up. Uh, one is going to be on February 22nd in Logan. And that is going to be at Mount Logan Middle School, 5 p.m. But the fun show, I mean, they're all fun. But if it was me and I was picking and I had to pick one, I would pick the one down in Salt Lake at the depot. That is on uh, February 23rd. And they're actually having two shows, one of which is at 4 p.m. The second show, the late one starts at 8 now, the second late show at 8 p.m., that is 21 and over, older only. So, uh, yeah, there's going to be a good time had there. Tickets are available for that event, $15 in advance at Western Rivers Fly Fisher there in Salt Lake City or at Fish West down in Sandy. And and is the most of those are sponsored or sponsoring certain organizations. So Cash County, I think, is for is Cash Anglers. I believe as their fundraiser here, I think you mentioned the last time, but uh, the IF4 here in Ogden is uh, helps um, raise money for uh, the Adopt a River program th- uh, that Ogden City is running to help sustain that um, that great restoration project on on the Ogden River. And yes, then sir. down in Salt Lake, I think is for the uh, uh, Utah Stream Access Coalition. Is that right? I, I haven't confirmed officially for this year, but I know in years past yeah. that show has gone to benefit uh, USAC and yeah. the good fight that those folks are fighting. Yeah, so so all the all these shows are great great places to go, you know, really good time, and they usually go for a good cause. So yeah, the show here in Ogden, we actually have the uh, tickets available here at Angler's Den, so we're one of the locations you can pick them up. You can swing by here and uh, get your tickets for that. And I believe that one's on March eighth. It is. So lots of good stuff. Those are really fun events. My favorite uh, thing to do in the early spring uh, that we have here in northern Utah. So. Last but not least, uh, Weber Basin Anglers, their monthly meeting is going to be here at this shop, February 12th, 6.15, here at Anglers Den and Roy. Fly tying contest, iron fly. Iron you fly. You get to see us. We'll, we'll sign you autographs. You <laughs> Yeah, you have to. We'll <laughs> greet you at the door. We'll sign autographs for you. We'll probably ask you for an autograph. 
I might wonder uh, why you want it. No. Field sobriety test might be in order. Yeah, it could be. Two drink minimum. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's all I've got here on the announcements. Uh, let's kick it over to our river expert extraordinaire, James Young. Well, actually, the expert's going to be here in about five minutes, so I guess I'll just fill in for him until he gets here. He's... Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, fishing still been going pretty good, slow but steady. Uh, on the Ogden and the Weber, we've had guys going out. Uh, Provo is kind of slow. So right now we have a bunch of midge activity going on. So things I would be fishing would be uh, definitely midges, red midges, uh, black zebra midges, uh, mole midge, mighty midge, uh, the bling midge, pheasant tail, sow bugs, rainbow warriors. Uh, lightning bugs, things like that. Just basic, your basic winter patterns. Um, one thing I like to do in the winter, I know a lot of guys like to throw streamers, but I'll actually run a, a small woolly booger or a small white uh, zonker, uh, small olive uh, booger under an indicator. I'll dead drift it under that. So, you know, you, I'll tie it on and then I'll do a dropper fly and I'll actually add it on about two feet behind it. I'll use like a lightning bug, olive or silver something flashy, maybe even a prince nymph, and then I'll nymph it. And as it's going down the river, normally when we're nymphing, we always mend upstream to try to get that perfect drift. Well, when I'm doing a little streamer through it, as I'm dead drifting that, I'll actually mend downstream so I can get the water to actually catch the bow in the in the leader to actually drag that, that streamer down through the run around pockets. So it looks like a fish is actually swimming instead of something dead coming through. But you're getting that that belly in the line yeah the belly you just you just need about two feet in front of your indicator just enough for the uh, the current to catch it to help drag it around you know the bucket of a rock or you know around the front around the side give it three or four uh, drifts on each side move um, I think it's a little more effective than just something dead drifting like if you normal nymph it so with that belly catching the current I'll actually pull it through you're not stripping it it's not really fast it's, it's slow it's real subtle the fish are cold you know but in winter time they don't want to spend a lot of energy chasing food, so this gives Me it neither. a. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Or in the summer, for that dude. Cheers. I've seen you chase food, and you do not expend much energy. Trust me. I mean, no, but I'm I'm deadly fast for short little bursts. Yeah, I've seen you eat, and that that's the only short burst I've ever seen is when you eat it. You know, so but yeah, so anyway, just running little streamers and stuff like that will be fine. Um, midges, you know, coming off midday when the sun pops out, it's really good. So it just get out there and uh, play in the cold. So that's all we got right there for that. Sweet. Well, thank you. Speaking of playing in the cold, we've done a little bit of that lately. Yes, we have. We went up Manaway. Speaking of, speaking of eating, dude, that how man, I feel. How are those enchiladas? Was it worth it? Yes, it was. My you wife say yes because yeah. she. <laughs> yeah, she did listen to us the other day, and she was like, "I did not make you do that." <laughs> yes, you did. I'm gonna make everybody believe it, baby. Yeah. So yeah, the enchiladas were actually really good, babe. I appreciate it. You know, I gave up a Manaway Monster Burger for that. The burger was legit. Oh my god, you could feed a family of six with that thing, or one of me, or one of you. Well, I wasn't gonna go there. I was trying to be nice tonight. Why? What do you want? Well, I'm still waiting for the hundred dollars you owe me. Yeah, me no, I'm buying glaze. No, yeah. So yeah, we stopped up there at Manaway. We went up there last week, did a little ice fishing. Uh, we spent more time fishing than we did catching. It was a pretty good day. I mean, we I had think fun. We did all right. I, I had enough fish that it was a chore to process those those perch. So yeah, so it was. I mean, we caught fish. We had a good time. Ice was good. The company was good, All except for that guy who parked up next to us. Yeah, what's up with that? I don't know, man. He, you know, if he was any closer, he could probably get in our tent and sit with us. 
I was going to ask him, you know, if he's going to at least take us out to dinner before he starts like that. <laughs> yeah, and he, he only lasted five minutes. I think he got the message pretty hard and left, so that was good. But other than that, it, it was an awesome day with you. Uh, we got up there, caught some fish, and then when we were leaving, we were actually listening to our first reboot episode, and we pulled into the Manaway store and went in there and got a bite to eat. And, I, and, they, and they recognized you already. Yeah, yeah, we were. <laughs> I so, told the don't you know who I yeah, am. Yeah, don't you know who I am. So we're walking in laughing. It's like, yeah, Cole goes, yeah. I wonder how long it's be till, it's, till we start throwing that you don't know who I am. I, I actually honestly did say this. Yeah, so we're walking in. It's like, oh, man, everybody's going to know who we are because, you know, we're us. You know, they're going to know. We're, we're the huckers. They're going to know us. And by that time we'd walked in and everybody stopped and kind of looked at us, they had that look like, who the hell are you? They were so, super nice in there, though. They were really nice. They thought, were cool. you know, it was really cool. It was like, hey, man, we're just kidding around. We're joking. And, yeah, they treated us pretty good and had a good time watching you choke down that. Dude, that, that was my, God, it looked after good. After that long day out there sitting on that sheet of ice, it did hit the spot. So. You know, I think I gained a pound just, just from sitting there smelling the aroma coming off that, you know, <laughs> that, that, that three pounds of beef, a half a pound of cheese. Legit. That side of beef in there, it was legit. Best yeah. 11 bucks I ever spent. Yeah, it was good. Well, yeah, we, uh, we had a good time, but <clears throat> speaking of good times... We have Paul with us here tonight. Thank you again. Nice transition. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. We're glad you're here, buddy. Speaking of yeah. good times, call Paul for a good time. He He's a home brewer, and he, he brews up some tasty, tasty stuff, I got to say. So, yeah, you probably could call him for a good time in that regard. Uh, <laughs> man, yeah. We, we brewed that one batch, that, that uh, what was it? Or chocolate. Chocolate Chocolate porter. Chocolate porter. Yeah. yeah that, oh, man, that was good. Anyways, that's not why you're here, though. Uh, yeah, we're here to talk about fishing and fishing-related stuff. So, Paul, remind me again. I know I asked you your official—I just know you as Paul. Uh, your official title with Trout Unlimited. So I, I work for uh, Trout Unlimited. We're a, we're a nonprofit uh, fishing conservation organization, and um, I'm the Utah Director of Water and Habitat Program which is uh, a lot, but basically uh, just uh, basically oversee our, our restoration programs in the state. Um, I also uh, coordinate all of our uh, our restoration work in the Weber River. I've been doing that since uh, 2010, so about eight years. Yeah, that's good. You've We can see the efforts that he's putting into it. I mean, there's some, you've done some good stuff. Definitely. Yeah, it's been a team effort, uh, and we're definitely starting to see some cool benefits uh, from, from our, our work that we've been doing. Yeah, so. that's that's awesome. Now, you, you say it's a team effort, and... It really is, and I know you've. I've heard you speak about it before. All the collaboration that has to go into effect and take place for a lot of these projects to happen. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about some of those relationships that you've made with? I know landowners and utility companies, and I mean it's kind of widespread, right? Yeah, I mean one of the things that uh, we we saw back uh, about about ten years ago in the Weber was there was a bunch of people doing great work and they were all kind of do it, doing it on their own. And, um, once we were able to start getting people in the same room, talking to each other and, and, uh, just getting out on the water and, and, and looking at what, uh, unites us all, which is the, which is the river and the water in it. Uh, boy, we have been able to get, um, landowners, uh, our organization, uh, the D- division of wildlife and, and a whole host of, other uh, agencies and, and foundations and stuff working working with us, so it's it's pretty awesome. You know, one project ends up bringing in seven or eight different funding sources and and partners and everything like that. So it it, it ends up being a lot of work, but the end result is awesome. We we start seeing these great projects where 
we're getting fish through culverts that they haven't been able to get through mm-hmm. in 50 years. And, um, you know, we've got diversions screened and fish aren't getting sucked into canals and stuff. So it's good. It's good. Awesome stuff. Uh, I've, I've read through your notes here that you sent me before, and I'm just trying to figure out where to start because there's so much here. So, you know, why don't you just fire away? Uh, <laughs> what have you got going on right now that you're kind of proud of and what, what challenges are you currently facing to get those projects done? So, uh, locally here in the Weber, um, you know, there's, there's two main areas where we're really looking at, I think, um, last year, last spring, uh, Facebook kind of blew up. There was a, a water company that ended up dumping a bunch of concrete into the, uh, Weber river. I think you guys probably remember that. Um, so they, they ended up getting a little bit in a little bit of trouble for that. It was illegal. Um, but like most water companies in the state, they don't have any money. And so that was kind of the, you know, that's what they've been doing for years and, and they finally got caught. And, um, so we're, we're actually working with them on, uh, finding a design for their diversion. It doesn't sound very exciting, but if you go look at their diversion, diversion, it's about, you know, eight feet tall. It's just this big drop with waste concrete and rebar sticking out of it. And, you know, it's not safe to boat down. Fish can't get up it. And, um, so we're, we're actually, uh, just starting the, the process on, uh, coming up with the design for that, hopefully make it fish passable and, uh, safe for, for people to boat over. So, you know, so when you go to these landowners and say, Hey, look, you got this diversion dam yeah. and you know, these are the concerns, you know, you got trash in the river, fish can't go up. Uh, you know, everything that, that we deal with on it as far as, you know, boating, fishing, whatnot. Are they pretty receptive when they come in and talk to them and say, hey, we want to try to help you continue doing what you're doing, but we want to also try to improve? Do you see landowners actually, you know, generally wanting to work with you? It depends on if they're in trouble or not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if I work with you, we all make this fine go yeah, away. Actually, actually, some of that is true. But for the most part, um, you know, it, it's variable. There are, are some people that are just not willing to work with us. Um, but I would say, you know, a majority of the, the people that we've worked with, um, you know, they just, you know, want, usually if it works better for fish, it works better for people. And uh, and, and usually if we can we can come to the table with money and, and help them build rebuild a dam, or so it's not a dam, <laughs> and... Uh, and get fish through there, then and it, they can still get their water. Usually, that, that so is a lot of it just basically a benefits. funding issue for the for the person trying to make it right. You yeah, know, if they have the fund, you know, if you can bring it to them. They're they're more receptive than that. Yeah, I mean, if you think about a lot of these a lot of these water diversions that are really problematic for fish have been there since you know the 1900s when we started taking water out of rivers for for ag here mm-hmm. and um and those uh those diversions um I mean. To pile some rock in the river is not a big deal, and that's usually all you know a single landowner or two can afford. Um, most people can't afford a dam or or you know some some like a real nice structure in a stream, and so so that's kind of reflective of the the way water's always been taken in the river. And you know we start now now it's a popular river and for fishing, and um, so there are other interests in the river now that that not only have you know, economic value, as you know, but also, um, you know, it's just, that's why we live here. We, we like to fish there. So, so we, if we can bring money to, 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 to the table to, to make those differences, then, then, uh, I think it brings the, the people together too. So where does, where does the money come from? <clears throat> the sources, um, are pretty broad. Um, but, uh, in, in the state of Utah, the division of wildlife resources, um, contributes a ton of money 
to restoration work um, through their, uh, the, it's called the Habitat Council, the Blue Ribbon Fisheries Advisory Council. I think you've heard of them, the, mm-hmm. the, the Watershed Restora- Watershed Restoration Initiative. Um, but we also work with uh, the Fish and Wildlife Service. Um, a lot of people don't recognize that they actually bring a, a lot of money to the table. Um, they've got a fish passage program. So they've got a, this pot of money that's just focused on uh fish passage improving incredible yeah it really is um and so we've really worked with them pretty closely here in in the weber they've funded a lot of our projects there's some local foundations here uh the the d foundation has been a really strong supporter supporter of us um as well as um uh there's a there's a um the national fish and wildlife foundation uh which is a a national uh nationwide foundation but they fund a lot of uh, restoration work too. So, um, Walton family foundation, Walmart, they, um, they fund a lot of our work up in the Colorado river basin, but they're, but they're the big evil company <laughs> yeah. that everyone's supposed to hate. It's I good. thought it's good that it's good that they're giving back to uh, you know they're they're really strategic in, in how they give back, but they they do give back. And, and Colorado River is one of their major focuses areas. Wish we had more people focused on the Great Salt Lake, but we'll That's get there. Okay, hey, you we'll got to start there. somewhere. Yeah. Speaking of the Great Salt Lake, so uh, the Bear River development that's you know going to be taking a lot of water out of the Great Salt Lake and the environmental impacts that that could have are really really scary when you read about them. Uh, the Million Pipeline, Lake Powell Pipeline, all of these different projects that are demanding these resources and this water. How is TU fighting the good fight on this, and how much pull does the organization have to? Uh, really sway things by the decision makers? You know, a, a lot of these are really, really tough issues. Um, you know, with the Bear River development, um, that's a huge concern for us just because of where, uh, well, not only because of the potential impacts on the Great Salt Lake, um, but uh, where those d- potential dams might go. Uh, one of one of the uh, places is the Temple Fork up in Logan, uh, in the Logan River, which is uh, basically the the spawning habitat for that that cutthroat trout population up there and so that's really concerning and and so you know what we tried to do is um we've really tried to where we can work with um a lot of the the conservancy districts and and the water managers and um so we've really been supporting uh organizations like the weber basin water conservancy district um who would would be the organization that would uh, would be having to build that dam or those dams and and you know we're they've they've got some initiatives where they're trying to you know improve uh, outdoor uh, water use uh, improve uh, you know conserve our, our outdoor water use and if we do it right I mean there's estimates out there we could save up to 35 percent of our reduce up to 35 percent of our, our um, outdoor water uses which is pretty pretty big um, but that's just kind of part of the equation so the other part of the equation is working with the uh, ag producers on um, uh, finding ways to optimize how they're using water on farm and at the watershed scale, and um, you know, look look for really unique solutions um, uh, to make agriculture more efficient, and 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 hopefully, with all those water savings, put, putting that together, you know, there's some estimates that we could actually push out the need for a um, Bear River development out to 2060. So that's encouraging. So like, so we can do it through cooperative cooperatively and but it does take a statewide statewide effort right because yeah it, we have to do things up here in ogden but the same thing needs to be done think same thing needs to happen you know in southern southern part of the wasatch front um because they take water out of the weber too so so it's that's really important um the those other 
uh, those other projects up in the Colorado River Basin, the the Million Pipeline and Lake Powell Pipeline, you know, those they're really tough. The Million Pipeline, um, we've been able to just um, speak pretty closely with the agencies uh, and just just uh, highlight the fact that there's you know there's collaboration going on in the Colorado River Bay in the Colorado River. There is not more water to divert, and so. If we're taking water somewhere, it's it's got to come from somewhere else. And so, um, if if we can uh, work with our partners there and and um, you know highlight the fact that you know the water isn't there, there's just nowhere nowhere else to develop water. Uh, that's kind of our our key message there. I mean, the Colorado doesn't it dry up like 50 miles short of its natural terminus yeah. there into the Sea of Cortez, something crazy like that. So. Yeah, clearly it's all getting used. Clearly, upstream. clearly, and <laughs> and I mean that was one of our points that we made at the there was a water rights hearing earlier this year. It's like the, the Colorado River does not even flow to the ocean anymore, so no. that's pretty clear that you know there's not water left. Well, speaking so, of not water left, I you know Cole and I've talked about this. It seemed like every year on October sixteenth. Mm. Yeah, yep. you know where we're going I with know this, right? Where you're headed with you this. know here at the does, yeah here at the shop. People come in and like, oh my God, where all the water go in the river? Well, there's no water left. Where, how, what's going on? Why is there no water in the river? Why are the flows so low? And I know we keep telling them, you know, I guess it's safe to say the Weber's an, an irrigation ditch for ag- agriculture is how it's looked at. And it's like, you know, they shut the flows off because ag doesn't need it. And they'll start them back in again in April. The flows that we have are good. The fish are still there. The fishing will still be okay. You just got a little bit lower water, and uh, I know it's all we. I hear it. You've heard it. Oh, every, we hear it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Every, 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 you know, we always hear. You know, oh my gosh, where there's no water in the river, you can't fish it. So, can you expound on that about what's going on <laughs> and, and why we have the what what flows we do have in it? Maybe yeah. help us get the message out to help understand so folks understand a lot better than us. Yeah. So. So the the flows out of Echo has been a really nut, tough nut to crack, and I think that anybody who talks badly about the environmental regulations, NEPA, that sort of thing, Echo is a perfect example of why we need them. Because Echo was built in the 30s, and that was before we had you know those environmental protections mm-hmm. uh, of you know ensuring minimum flows below dams and ensuring public review over um, agreements and that sort of stuff. And so that's kind of a relic of of that. And um, uh, so, what what happens on Echo is there are it, it, I might I hope I don't lose everybody, but there are some so there are some agreements. <laughs> don't worry about it. They've already turned us off. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I've already been talking. This, this, so this, no, this, uh, our yeah. listeners end it long before you can. Yeah, it's, it's okay. It's, it's just us. <laughs> Should we just talk about beer? I mean, yeah, seriously, we, <laughs> no. Bug Kirker's Beer Channel. <laughs> I was waiting for James to take a potty break. <laughs> hey, <laughs> no, break. production break. Yes, <laughs> <a> production, yeah, <laughs> my turn to do that. <laughs> so, okay, so there, there is some history here. Okay. So, <laughs> back on track. <laughs> so, in uh, so the everybody I think is probably familiar with the with the uh, power plant at, in the mouth of Weaver Canyon. Uh-huh. In Weaver Canyon, it's a Pacific Corp, Rocky Mountain Power. Um, so they have a nineteen. 19- 11 water right and the way water rights are the way water rights are divvied in in utah is it's priority so so if you have a a, the older your water right the higher priority your water is right well all of our storage in echo in rockport in the provo is all 60s water right right and they have they have the right to take 365 cfs for hydropower 
365 days a year at at that that Pacific Corp plant. And so uh, in order to allow any of all these reservoirs to store water in the winter, they've developed this agreement with Pacific Corp where they get reimbursed for not generating power here. And all the water that would be flowing down ends up going over into the Provo or stored in Echo. And so the, those agreements were signed in, I think, 1931 or something like that. And nobody wants to open those back up. It was between the Pacific Corp, the Bureau of Reclamation, the water users and the Weber and the Provo. And so like these huge, really complex, I can't even get through the agreements. There's, the writing is so hard to get through. Were they like written with a feather? And no, they're typed. <laughs> so basically what you're saying, there's a lot of uh, bureaucratic bullshit there, on this deal? There is. And, and I think really what ends up needing to happen is there needs to be enough public pressure to the right agency. It has to be to the Bureau of Reclamation. I don't want to throw them under the bus, but um, they are the ones that manage, they're managing the, these waters. And and so there needs to be enough public pressure on, on the BOR to start looking at changing these agreements and just squeeze a little bit more water out of Echo, for goodness sakes. I mean, you know, it, it's not that much to let 10 CFS flow down the Weber yeah. River. <laughs> so so right now, normally we get under one CFS, like 0.07 or something like that. Yeah. So why do we have that little bit amount? Where's that? Why do we have that water flowing? Well, that's dam leakage. Is that what that yeah, is? Yeah, that's basically all that is. Okay. So. That doesn't sound good. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Does it mean it's, it's going to break? It's actually less than less than it used to be. It used to be like two, which was Well, nice. the good thing <laughs> is there's no water in Echo. It would probably flood down maybe to, I don't know, um, Croydon, if that. <laughs> yeah, this year. <laughs> yeah, this year. Yeah. So, because you know, we got less than one coming out of Echo. Lost Creek puts in, I don't know, anywhere between six to nine-ish. Yeah. So, they're letting that water out. Is that still for ag use through the uh, down through Lost Creek down before it hits the Weaver? There's actually a minimum flow out of um, out of Lost Creek Reservoir of like six, six. CFS, I think. Yeah, because yes. I know so. like this time of year we all want to fish below Croydon because there's actually right. moving water. Yeah, exactly. Okay, but the nice th- holes in it, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the nice thing about that though is is uh, below Lost Creek, then there's pretty good winter flow. Yeah, and it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty warm, so it doesn't really freeze up solid mm-hmm. uh, like it does in a lot of places. So, but. cool. Well, talking fish, you know, now that we've talked a little bit about the water history and hopefully answered some questions for some people as to why there's not any water up in Hennifer in the winter time. Um, you know, what what uh, what species have we got here in the Weber that are more sensitive? I know we got a couple that. You know, we don't see too many of anymore that we wish we saw more. There, yeah, there's two species of fish that we're really focused in, focused on in our uh, restoration efforts, and that's the the Bonneville cutthroat trout, the state fish of Utah, and um, the um, bluehead sucker, uh, which uh, a lot of people I don't think have a lot of interest in the you know uh, sucker species, but uh, there's actually three species of sucker in the Col- in the uh, Weber River, and the bluehead is the one that's really um, struggling um they're long-lived i think there's some really good information that's showing that these fish are i mean pushing 20 years 25 years old um and uh they they haven't been reproducing and and just i guess to put it in context um there was a study back in the 20s um they were seining uh reach of the river by taggart and they seined one pool and they pulled out 700 bluehead suckers out of one pool with a seine with a net and the recent population estimate, the whole lower Weber from the mouth of Weber Canyon down to Ogden is like 500 fish left. So, so it's it's pretty dire for for that species. It's it's they're in pretty rough shape. What's the biggest 
thing that threatens those fish? Um, there's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a range of, of things. So there's, um, habitat loss. Um, I've got these great photos of the Weber in the 1800s when the railroad went through and you saw this really complex habitat, um, side channels and backwaters and, and those are really important habitats for the juvenile fish. But also, um, one of the things we've really been working on is this fragmentation issue where it, we have these barriers all over the place that are caused by, you know, water diversions and stuff. And, um, so this this what used to be this long reach of really um high quality habitat you know miles and miles of high quality habitat is now just chopped up into these little pieces and you know one thing we know about fish and is is that most fish species move a lot and and if they can't move to these different areas in the river then then their population struggles and we're really seeing that with the blueheads um, we're, we're, we're making a difference, um, with the blueheads and, and with the Bonnevilles, uh, we're starting to remove some of these barriers and kind of get these bigger reaches of habitat, uh, reconnected, but it, it takes a lot of work to, to get that yeah. done. I know the strawberry Creek fish ladder, that was a huge success. Uh, any indication of how many fish made it up this last spring up past that diversion? Um, that obstruction, I should say, not yeah. <laughs> um, so we don't have great data. The, the division of wildlife, uh, has been kind of, um, uh, been collecting fish data off and on, on on that reach of the Weber over the last couple of years, and but but what we can tell is that um, that I think it was more than half of the fish that tried to make it up made it up uh, above a mile above. So they only had like ten or fifteen fish that were actually tagged, but they made it you know a mile upstream of that. So that was pretty exciting. But uh, we we need to get a little bit better data. I'd love to do a radio telemetry study in the Weber and really see where these fish are going. But uh, anybody want to fund a restoration or a uh, telemetry study? That's yeah, just six, seven thousand bucks. That sounds like Star Wars kind of stuff right there. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. We need the carbonator on Planet Nine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's some really some major questions we have left that we still have with uh, fish movements, and um, uh, a lot of those questions are in the Weber. So. So we've got the bluehead sucker. What other? What are the other two we have? Oh, uh, the other two suckers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the mountain sucker, which um, they are smaller. They probably get about eight inches max. Okay. Um, and uh, then there's the Utah sucker, which I think mm-hmm. most people are pretty familiar with. The the really the larger ones with the pretty big scales and that we typically catch on a fly. Yeah. Uh, so got those. So they're native. They they've all been all three of those species have been here for for thousands of years. Yep. So the blueheads, is there any kind of protections on them? So if somebody catches one and they want to take it home and throw it in their smoker for some crazy reason, is is there anything? Yeah, yeah. Hey, you never know. You never know. There are no uh, there are no official protections, I don't think, on the bluehead suckers. There, uh, anybody who's fished the Weber has probably seen the bluehead sucker signs. So what you're saying is there's no limit. There's no, there's no limit, but most I mean, people, most people aren't catching. I saw there was in there. I think the big thing is the DWR is trying to prevent people from banking suckers. Yeah. yeah <laughs> for the most part. Hopefully those days are over, but, uh, yeah. but, uh, yeah, we definitely don't kill suckers. Yeah. They're they fun. They don't suck. They, yeah, they, they are fun to catch. They are. I mean, they, they fight pretty good. They do, but then it's kind of a heartbreaker when you see it. Yeah, you're kind of like, man, I've got a big this fish. Big brown. It's like, ugh. But now, if you catch a bluehead sucker, you can think about the fact that that fish might be 25 years old. That's that's, that's crazy that's, for a fish, a for fish, fish to be 25 years old. Yeah. Uh, there was that that film 
was it the Western Native Trout Initiative? They sponsored it a couple of years ago, Blueheads and Bonnevilles. That kind yeah. of highlighted the Weber River. You were in that, and uh, it's it's really neat. And I think if anybody just Google's it, they should be able to find it. I think pretty readily online. Correct? Yeah, Blueheads and Bonnevilles is what it was called, and Winty West, Western Native Trout Initiative. Again, they're they're uh, one of the many uh, funding funding partners in the Weber. All kinds of partnerships. Yeah. Well. Uh, James, have you got anything else? Man, I here? tell you what. Thanks, Paul. That was really informative. I know we've spent a lot of time talking a bunch about this, and you did a presentation at the TU chapter. I'm still waiting for that data you had that had where all the fish move, <laughs> what time of year, so I know where to fish. Six thousand bucks telemetry study. I'll get you that information. I don't know. Started GoFundMe. GoFundMe account. Help the fat guys go, catch more go fish. Go Paul. No, no, no. It's for Paul. It's for Paul. Yeah. This is completely yeah. science. Innocent. It's science. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to know more about science and you you know you want to come and say hi to Paul and learn more about how you can get involved to protect these precious resources we've got, uh, join Trout Unlimited, come down to our meetings, Weber Basin Anglers, generally the sixth, second Tuesday, not the sixth, second Tuesday of each month. There's six Tuesdays. <laughs> there is. It's a really long month. It's a yeah. oh, man. It's you January. Know, you get your money's worth on your mortgage that month. <laughs> <laughs> Second Tuesday of each month, 6.15 at, uh, generally it's at Smitty's Tire and Service in Uinta. This next time it's going to be here at Angler's Den. Come on down. Uh, you don't even have to be a member. Just just come on over, hang out, say hi, and uh, get involved. Talk about science. 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 Didn't, didn't one of your kids... You were at their school, and they said you were Bill Nye. <laughs> that was <Don't. laughs> that was uh, no. That was one of the so one of our programs, as you know, is our trout in the classroom. Right. And I was talking to a, <laughs> a group of kindergartners from Da Vinci Academy a couple of years ago. We were doing our release, um, and one of the kids was like, "Are you Bill Nye?" I'm like, "No, but." Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you put on a bow tie, maybe, maybe yeah, yeah, you could, you know, passable <laughs> Halloween costume. Maybe next year. That's maybe that's what I'll do. <laughs> well, thanks again so much, Paul, for joining us here tonight. We sure appreciate it as always. Hopefully, we can have you come back someday. We didn't scare you off from our little our little show here. Uh, but on that note, I want to leave everybody with a final thought. Hold it's, on, hold on. What? We forgot to do something. What did we forget to do? Oh, my God. Okay, we're going to edit that part back, right? Yeah. I forgot we have a gear. We, we've got a gear piece of gear to review. We'll make it quick. It is the... I can't believe I forgot that. I know. We, we, all the talk man. we've done on this. I was just like, man, yeah, Paul, this is Paul, awesome. Yeah, Thank we're all you excited so about and Paul being here and talking about we, Bluehead we, Suckers. We wanted to review this thing for a minute, and we finally did it. We finally did it. Well, just just edit out all the stuff about agreements, and you'll be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so what we have here is the Tacky Flydrophobic SD Waterproof and Breathable Fly Box. It's very, very very nice it feels very smooth i like smooth i like nice and smooth nice and smooth uh so this product came out back in november yep right around thanksgiving yep right. uh tacky box released this back at the ifta show this fall this last fall won some awards with it it was available to dealers first of november is the first time we got them in uh, so it's a brand new product uh, the hottest thing on the market right now from Tacky Flybox. Uh, I've been a tacky, I've been a tack head. Tack head. Maybe we could coin that. A tack, tacky. <laughs> I'm going to come up with this for them. 
Man, fans the- of Attacky. What, what could we call them? I've been a Tacky fan uh, <laughs> since they first came out a few years back. They they started on uh, what's that crowdfunding site? GoFundMe. No, not GoFundMe. The one where you have a business idea and you throw it up there. You know, you post a product and you go, "Hey, give me money." And yeah, whatever that what one. That, that they did on that one. I don't know. Not GoFundMe. It's you actually get something in return. Oh, You're investing uh, in a business. Kickstarter. Right. Kickstarter. That's Kickstarter, it. Kickstarter. Yep. That's what it is. In fact, that's the only thing I've ever backed on Kickstarter is is the original Tacky Box. Mm-hmm. So I saw it and I thought these guys are from Utah. This seems pretty cool. I'll kick them a few bucks, and I got my box, and I loved it. And I keep buying more and more and more of them. How many do you have right now? Like five or six. Uh, those are rookie numbers. I've got nine. I got nine. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> I got more Look than you Look at me. I'm I got nine boxes. <laughs> no, he he probably does. I, uh, but no, they're a good product. So they came out with this new thing, and the whole theory is it's got this breathable, like, waiter material, not Gore-Tex, but something like it. It's waterproof, but breathable. So you can stuff all your wet flies into this thing, and they won't rust. They'll dry out. They won't mold. You don't have to sit there and air it out. And I thought, that's kind of neat, and I like these guys. They've made a solid product. I'm going to give it a shot. So last night, um, I loaded this thing full of soaking wet flies. And I waited till more. I was gonna wait till morning, and then uh, come morning, I opened it up, and the flies were all dry. Dry as a bone. Not a single bit of water in there, and they were wet. These things were dripping. I've got oh, what have I got in here? Some leeches, some eggs, just stuff I thought would soak up the most water is what I grabbed, and it looks really cool too. So, you know, it's it's a different design. I got to tell you, it looks like something my kids would have in their Nerf gun equipment boxes you know like okay we're gonna stick all the darts in here but it's it's really cool it's got this kind of fish pattern on it orange and then it's got the slotted silicone like all the rest of their boxes do so you don't got to worry about that wearing out it's not foam that's gonna go to shit on you after a few uses james what did you think about it i tell you what um being as I have so many of them, I'm probably a stockholder in their company. Uh, one thing about Tacky I liked is that they're always trying to innovate stuff. They came out with the first box was the original. Then they came out with a day packer, which is just a smaller box so you can put in your shirt pocket. Then they came out with a Tacky tube for you can it's like a fly patch tube. Then they did the bug box, big bug box for streamers. Then they came out with a dry fly box which was pretty cool because it had a raised silicone bed in it so your bottom hackles wouldn't uh, get crushed. Um, when they came out with this one, um, I think they hit a home run with it because everybody has boxes. That everybody wants to buy a waterproof box so their flies don't get wet. But what happens is when you lock them in a waterproof box and you don't go home and open them up, everything you have rust. Flies are expensive. And if you've got a full fly box, you know, you're looking at several hundred dollars that are ruined because once you rust a hook, it, it's pretty well done. So when we got these in, looked at them, uh, called the guys down there. They sent us a bunch right before Christmas. Um, it, it's just, again, another, another quality tacky build. You know, they've got the good hinge system in it. They've done the, um, uh, the latch on it. it. It's actually a locking lid. It's got a gasket. So when you press fit it, it stays open where all their other boxes just have a magnet to hold it, where this actually is, is, is a water seal, a waterproof seal, uh, 
press fit uh, lid so they're not going to fall out. And I'm uh, just really impressed just with, you know, for what you get for 35 bucks. There's a lot of, a lot of features on this. I'm looking at the fabric you're talking about, the, the waterproof fabric. Uh, looking on Tacky's website, they call it event fabric, and they say it is uh, what makes event fabric truly neat is the billions of microscopic pores uh, built into the membrane that, that vents waters out, but keeps water keep, gets the water out, but doesn't let it in. So it's basically, like you said, a, a, a breathable waiter type material that yeah. they that they've made for this box. Um, it, it's tacky quality. It's it's. I think it's better a better box than anything else they have out there right now as far as the, as heavy as it is. I think it's going to be extremely durable. Yeah, I feel like I could I could probably stand on this thing and it would be just fine. Well, you know I had my that little incident where I had my pontoon boat up on Bryson's yeah. vehicle and it the, the roof rack busted and this thing flew off on Highway 40. I had six or seven different fly boxes in the pouches on that thing. Every one of them got destroyed except for my tacky box. And that's what really sold me on. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. these things are indestructible. Yeah, and this is actually built better. I mean, a, a oh, more yeah. solid and a, and a heavier build than the originals and the other packs that they have. Well, how many silver spurs are you going to give this one? I'm going to give this five spurs. Five spurs? I'm, I'm going to do this a five spur product right here. This is one that if you want a, a breathable fly box where you don't have to worry about your flies rusting, it's secure. And the fact the coolness factor, I mean, come on, it's got, it, I mean, it, it should get five and a half, but we can only do five spurs at a time. So five spurs from me. I'm going to be a little stingier. I'm going to be a little stingier about it just because there's a couple things I would have changed if it was me. It is a solid product, but I don't really like that if you stick a dry fly in there with some hackles on there, it's, it's probably going to get flattened out on the bottom. They don't have that little uh, relief mm-hmm. in there. I don't like that. And I don't like that it's... Uh, you don't like Nerf. I don't like Nerf. You know, it looks like... I mean, this is purely just an aesthetic thing. So, I mean, it's stuck in your box. It doesn't really matter. Functionality-wise, I think it's great. It, it looks a little funky to me, but funky's not bad. I wish that it was a see-through clear top, but I don't know how they could pull that off with this. Yeah, not with the membrane on it. No. There's just no way. They just spoiled me with their other boxes being able to look right into it. I None of my other boxes were like that before. Don't drop your mic. Oh, no, don't drop the mic. Hey, at least, not I'm, not dropping, that, at least yeah. I'm not dropping a beer later like you did last week. <laughs> you might. <laughs> it kind of looks like a brook trout markings there in a yeah. lateral line. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like it's it. it's neat. The artistry behind it is is really cool. I'm just not sure if it's my flavor. So I'm going to leave that part out of my ranking. I'm just going to give the feedback about the relief for your hackles. I'm going to give it 43 Spurs. Four point spurs. I'll spur this like a horse, man. Spur it on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, so I mean this is a this is one I think we, we stand behind on this. I think we can say this is actually a product that you should look into and totally. uh, would be definitely proud to have in your arsenal of uh, fishing gear. Thirty five bucks might sound like a lot, but when you consider how much money you're putting into it, that's really not that big of a deal to protect your investment. Yeah. So. Now knowing the guys from Tacky like I do, I, I I'd probably be safe to say, maybe a safe bet that sometime this summer, they'll come out with this with this box with a dry fly insert in it. Oh, I bet. I bet they'll come out with that. And if you don't, and if they don't, you should. Your customers are speaking here. Yeah, it's a great yeah, product. Good product. Anyways, well, thank you so much for joining us on this fine evening. 
Just remember, most of the world is covered by water. A fisherman's job is easy. Just find the best parts. Until next time, this is my buddy Roger. James has left the building.